You're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. Very excited today. We have a special guest coming from the Southern California area. So my neighbor up in L.A., we got Andy. He is a beast. He's been in the game as an entrepreneur for the last 10 years, real estate investing for the last five. This guy's done over 50-something projects at this point, and he's got the detailed approach when it comes down to really setting up your scope of work, managing and and doing the whole rehab project for somebody that might just be getting started. You know, he can really help guide you in the right direction to be able to make sure that you have a successful outcome, you know, really hit the goal that you're looking to achieve here. And he gets people that hit him up on a regular basis that run into contractor issues and I'm in that boat. A lot of people run into contractor issues in the beginning and hopefully over time you can learn from your mistakes and this guy is going to be able to help cut that learning curve tremendously here today. So I'm super excited to have Andy on and you guys are definitely going to want to stop whatever you're doing and take some notes, get out your pen and pad and be able to take some notes and obviously reach out to Andy after this because there's going to be a ton of value. You're definitely going to want to uh, connect with him afterwards. But without further ado, what's up, Andy? How you doing, bro? Hey, I'm doing great. What's up, buddy? How are you? Good, man. Good. We're super blessed to have you on. For anybody out there that doesn't know exactly who you are, do you mind just diving into who you are, where are you from, and what kind of real estate you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I started my first business in clothing manufacturing here in Los Angeles 10 years ago. So that was my bread and butter. I had industry experience before that. I didn't just start off it. I had like a few years of industry experience and then I started my own company. So what we did was full package deals, private labeling. So if you take a water bottle, you put your label on it, private labeling. So I did that for department stores, online stores. Online stores got really hot in demand. And even celebrities. I made clothes for Justin Bieber, Selena Gomez, Beyonce, Coachella. I made special gear for Coachella for Beyonce as well. And I still have that business today. I scaled in different ways after I learned how to leverage real estate as well. And uh, we still have that today. And I think something really important from the clothing business is that we have very strict due dates, right? Because if you think about these big companies are paying top dollar retail, right? Price, triple net leases. I didn't know what that was when I was in clothing, but now I know because of real estate, triple net leases when the tenant will pay for the rent, the utilities, everything, like even construction, all in cost, right? You as a landlord, you don't have to pay anything. You just collect check. You just collect a check every month, triple net lease. And they're paying premium prices to be at department stores, et cetera. And shelf cycle, so how long does something last on the shelves and to replenish that. So we manufacturers have a really cutthroat delivery date. It's called a due date. And if you don't deliver, there's something called a chargeback. <laughs> and yeah, that's not dollars. No, and then all your profit's gone. So why am I sharing that? It's like that really distilled into processes because big companies have like four for 21. They have like a 200 page thick 
routing guide, we call it the Bible, right? We just yeah. call it the Bible. And if you miss one thing there, it's a chargeback, like hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars chargeback. So that really helped me to be very detail oriented and to be on time and to think yeah. ahead. So that's transitioning from manufacturing into real estate. I would say clothing is harder. Manufacturing clothing is a lot harder because the trends are fa- changing all the time. Fabrics are changing. The demand is only getting faster and quicker as like internet is more viable to our society. Like you see something on Instagram, you want it right now. You, you don't even want to want to wait like two weeks, two weeks delivery. Oh, I don't know. I don't want what you uh, think about it, right? I need to all around. Yeah. <laughs> Prime, Amazon Prime. I want it now. It's still not here. What's going on, right? Yeah. <laughs> is, three hours. Yeah. yeah, crazy. Yeah. And transitioning from clothing to real estate wasn't as challenging for me because I had business foundation. I had business knowledge. I had that integrity. I had that detail. I went through dozens of people hiring, firing, and my clothing business too. We work with subcontractors, like buying the fabric, who cuts it, who sews it together, right? All this overhead. You could do it in-house, but your your workman comp will be pretty high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Insurance will be pretty darn high. So we leverage other contractors. We leverage other sewing companies and factories to assemble these products together. So transitioning to real estate wasn't a whole different new thing for me. Okay. If anything, I think real estate could be easier if you know what you're doing, which we could go into detail about it in this um, podcast here. But that's what happened. And then I got into real estate about five years ago. I'm the type like I like to learn first and I joined Fortune Builders and okay. that was a really good investment on my side. I hear from other people, oh, it's not worth it. You know, in my opinion, it really depends what you put into it. You know, I can, oh, I can take a $10 book and read it 10 times and every time I read it, I find something new, right? right? So it really depends what you really put into it. And I put into it. If I put a dollar in, I'm going to get $10 back. At least I want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. So it's really mindset. It really comes back to that kind of mindset. So fortune builders happen. And I remember it took me like 90 days. I was looking on like Redfin and MLS. This is where you find properties for sold and sold and for sale properties. And I was on, I was just like practicing. I was just practicing comping and stuff like this. And yep. I found my first condo in Anaheim and it's just numbers made sense. Like everything was just lining up. And that was the first deal I did. And I put like $15,000 in it for the rehab. It was very simple. It was very quick. And it was like a 90 day from start to finish. And we created the highest comp in the condo. Like we had created the highest comp by like $40,000. All the neighbors were in a sense happy. They're like, oh, nice. Good job. Yes, yeah. you're welcome. And, yeah. I, and the HOA <laughs> increased too, everything. Like, yeah. yeah. And I was trying to get approval from HOA to get the windows swapped out because the windows were old. They're like yeah. the aluminum kind. I want to put the vinyl ones. And then yeah. I'm emailing them every day. And honestly, I just made a decision. I just told my guy just to swap it out. The next day they emailed me, Mr. Choi, you changed out the window. Yeah, I only been trying to call you like every single day. It's your fault. <laughs> I follow protocol. Yeah. They're like, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm doing you guys a favor, if anything. Seriously. <laughs> so that was history. That was like five years ago. And then since then, once I knew it worked, I just went hard. I, I went super hard. I just like scaled like six, 10 projects like really fast. Wow. Yeah. I love that. So that first project, you found it on just searching around on Redfin yourself, correct? correct. Mm-hmm. And then how'd you fund that first deal? Was it from uh, just previous savings or? Your, yeah. 
I could have, I could have just bought it, but then what I learned from this, all these training and whatnot, real estate training courses, like leverage other people's money, OPM. OPM, baby. (laughs) Yeah. And I really wanted to try that. Like I've done it before in the clothing business where we'll ship merchandise and we'll have an invoice. And then we have a bank that like gives us them 80% of the money first because we have these terms where like 90 day terms is crazy. We think about like apparel, like 120 day terms, meaning like you don't get your money until 90, 120 days later. Insane business model, right? Think about cash flow, (laughs) crazy. So in real estate, so we're like, yeah, I learned about OPM. So I contacted a hard money lender and I'm like, hey, you know, I got this deal. It's a fire deal. They looked at it. You know, it was was harder than I thought it was going to be because in my mind, I'm like, okay, just do it. They're going to lend it. Give me the money now. (laughs) Yeah, give it to me right now. And then I had to call three other three three hard money lenders. Like, oh, really? like, oh, you don't have experience. You're a little risky. You know, come back to us on the third, fourth deal. I'm like, oh, this is not as easy as I thought. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so on the third, the uh, the third uh, hard money lender, I'm like, I'm running out of time at, at the same time. So I'm like, I gotta make this work. You know. So I had to like really enroll them into who I am and what I do and my integrity and stuff like that. I had to put eighty percent. They lended up to eighty percent. I put twenty percent down. And that's how I sourced the majority of the pie there. And then I took it to another level. I got private money, private, yeah, PMLs. I got private money lenders to fund the other 20%. And the rehab, I put my own money into doing that. And then that's how we closed on that property. So out of pocket, you were about 15,000 for the rehab and you raised the first portion with, you know, hard money, the second portion, small bit, 20% with private money. So I mean, 15 grand out of pocket for a short time frame. And then what were the numbers on that? Like what kind of profits did you actually make? Yeah. So we bought this property at 240,000 and I put $15,000 in it for the rehab. And then let's say about like four months of holding costs, which wasn't much. It was like 12% yeah. on the loan. The loan amount wasn't too high. So yeah. I think I was paying like $2,500 a month at the top of my head. It's been a while. Yeah, nothing um, crazy. And then... But then one thing that we really leverage is I did a six or 7% listing. Okay. And then this was my first listing and I purposely did that. First of all, I hired a top notch realtor for listing it and we offered 4% to the buyer's commission, buyer side. Wow. Hence we created the highest comp. That was a strategy. We did that intentionally. We created the highest comp. It was a VA. The buyer was a VA and he was using a VA loan. Okay. And then he was short, like, he was short to qualify for like 6,000 bucks, but guess who paid for it? The buyer's agent. Yeah. The realtor, the buyer's agent's like, Hey, let's make this work. You know, I'm like, all right, let's make it work. I'm paying 4%. You tell me. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't really come out of my pocket. And then we sold that property for $330,000. Okay. So it was a good, like $40,000 profit on this. Dude, that's so cool. And it's just the process obviously getting the confidence built up. And then you said afterwards, you just started kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> spitfire after that. So yeah. how many deals did you start acquiring? And what did that look like time frame? Well, so I'm the type, I'm like, just do it. We'll figure yeah, it out. Those just run. We'll figure yeah. it out as we go. <laughs> like Tony Robbins says like burn the boats, get there and figure it out later. I'm that type of guy. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I had to shift because it got me in trouble. It got me yeah. a lot of trouble. So back yeah. then, five years ago, I'm like, gung ho, let's go. Economy was really good at the time. Yeah. Houses were 
selling like cake. Like it was insane. And this was back in 2015, 16. And I immediately started buying more properties. I immediately bought another. I started leveling up instead of a, like a two bedroom, one bath condo, like a 900 square foot condo. I'm like scaling up to Los Angeles property already at like $500,000, $800,000 purchase prices, million dollar purchase prices. Yeah. I think back, I'm like, damn, I was crazy, right? Now, yeah, yeah. Back, now, I, now I know what I know. And look, what I learned from that was like, there's something called like scalability, right? And there's also something called a learning curve. So there's a graph, you know, is how fast you can learn. So in the beginning, your learning curve will always be fast in the beginning because you're just absorbing it, especially if you're like passionate about it. But you're going to get to a point where it's going to like go a little bit more straight line. And that's kind of what happened to me was I scaled too fast, too quickly. So what do I mean by that? Like I didn't have like the right team in place in terms of, you know, having the right, you know, contractor or having the right you know, real estate agent, because Los yeah. Angeles was a market from Orange County. The first house yeah. I flipped was in Orange County. And just having constriction knowledge. I think the biggest thing that cost me the most, I left a lot of money on the table, was construction and knowing the law. Like, what is my legal rights? Because real estate, people kind of like flex on you a little bit. But the truth is, everything's negotiable. There's this like 15, 20% of law that's really, really legal law. But you got to know it. You got to know it to leverage. So that was my experience and I like to see things from like two different perspectives you know either I could be like oh you know poor me and stuff like that but where would I go from that kind of mindset versus okay just take responsibility I chose to do this what can I learn from this and how can I not let this happen again or who can I hire what can I do to you know scale and move forward so, so in that I quickly bought six properties and I had way over more than I can handle I was working like 16 hour days it was insane it was like one of the most challenging parts of my life because I have this huge responsibility. I had like $5 million of assets and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I got to really make this work. This is like, we got to make this work. So I really had to evolve myself as a person to look at myself in terms of my character. Uh, they say at your hardest time, it defines who you are and stuff like this. And yep. that is absolutely true. That's absolutely true. So true. If you're comfortable, you're just going to be comfortable. You're just going to coast it right there. You're just going to yep. on autopilot. But when you have challenges in your life that really tests your virtue, that really tests your, your grit, your, you know, your, your, your values, there's so many things that test. And you have a choice. Some people, you might be in that situation and you might break. I don't know. There's some people, you might be in that situation. I see it and I need to do this. I need to move. I need to shift. So it was really a mental thing. It was a huge mental thing for a year. And we sold all those properties. We made everything whole. We're good now. And, and we're still moving forward. We're still moving forward. So what kind of learning curves, like, have you ever lost money on a deal? Has, has there been any type of deal that you're just like, wow, how do I get myself into this one, but still come out on top? Yeah. I think if a real estate investor didn't lose money, I would be like a little suspicious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you're like some pro, like, like maybe you're like second generation or third generation, you know, sure. that could be understandable. But if you're like starting off, you're always going to lose some money in business. Guaranteed. I guarantee. Or you just haven't done enough yet. So once you get out there and keep going, then you'll, right? you'll see. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I definitely have lost money on deals. Absolutely. And then mainly it comes down to just, I think it was mainly down to the construction knowledge because I see out there a lot of gurus and whatever out there saying, hey, just go get lock up the deal, blah, blah, blah. And it just consider something that I didn't like, I should have known, but I, like, I realized a little bit later was like, you know, what they're teaching you is true. 
but is just really 10% of like a hundred, right? Yeah. And well, there's the due diligence process, right? It's like absolutely. once it's locked in, then it's like, cool, before we close on this, let's make sure that this is a, a full deal, you know, let's absolutely. get the scope of work together. Absolutely. So first thing is like just having the right mindset. It, you want to know like what your why is before you start this whole real estate or anything any business matter of fact, or anything that really meaning for you, like think about your why, because I guarantee you there's going to come times like I just shared, it's going to get tough. It's going to get dark. It's going to get like, yeah. what the hell am I going to do? You're going to cry. You don't yeah. want to cry. You're like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know. What I'm oh bro. You, you do. Uh, you. That's totally okay. fine. Yeah. All right. And I'm not going to hold you back. Times. I'm gonna come to some, thank you. I'm going to come to some dark times and your mindset is going to be critical. And when it gets hard, you want to realize your why. Is it your family? Is it for your legacy? Is it for your family? You know, you're going to take care of someone. You're going to give back to the community. What is it? Is it your destiny? Is it your calling? And you want to believe with that with your passion, with every ounce in your body, every gram in your body, literally, you know, like you believe it. This is you. Okay. And you want to recap that whenever things get tough. So I would say having that mindset first will be like critical for anyone listening out there and revisiting that frequently. I constantly check myself on a daily basis. I have to constantly check myself to be in a straight line, you know, on my path, on my vision, on a daily basis, refine, refine, because there's so many people depending on me now. I have sure. my business, our construction business, our fix and fill business. I still yeah. have my clothing business. I have to be streamlined. I gotta be like Jedi, Yoda, times 10 in business, right? And any chip in my armor will literally could, you know, penetrate into something bigger. So yeah. constantly being in that sharp mindset and reminding myself, what is my goal? What is my reason? Right. And it gets tough. It gets tough. And sometimes it, it takes me like an hour to get out of this mindset. Sometimes it takes me a day. It yeah. just depends. But you want to just get out of that quick, you know, and then you, and momentum is key. If anything, momentum is key. And all my perfectionists, OCD people like they're like me, getting it done is better than perfect. Okay. And I'm, I'm still practicing that today. I want to yeah. make sure everything's perfect. My, you know, eyes are dotted, my T's are dotted, but you know what? Uh, getting it done is definitely better than perfect. But there are things in real estate that you do want to like really do well. Like Brandon said earlier, you want to like conquer property really well. You want to do your due diligence very well. And something that I can share is that when you're buying a property, the first thing you want to do is walk it. I see a lot of investors out there, whether you've done a hundred homes or one, I always want home properties, period. Why? Because my biggest thing is I want to leverage whoever's selling it to me. Because if that person didn't do their homework, I yeah. will crush you and I will get a better deal. Yeah. Right? That's my That's biggest so thing. I already know what I'm going to do to the property. It's not really for me, for someone of my caliber that did like 52 properties. It's not that I don't know what I'm going to improve or upgrade. But a couple of things I'm doing is I'm looking for any like anomalies, like any like foundational problems, cracks in the walls, yeah. something that's gonna really cost me a lot of money, right? Like putting a new roof, you know, the top is dilapidated, if it like looks haunted. I went to a house once and I swear it was haunted, dude. Like, yeah, I got a bad juju vibe. I was, I told my <laughs> dude, we gotta get out, we gotta get out. I, like, the price is good, but bro, I'm just getting bad juju on this house. Like, yeah. There was like dolls and stuff. I was just like, no, we can't do this project. I don't need so, this one. So my realtor's like, we can get a shaman. I'm like, bro, no, I'm not cool with <laughs> shaman things. No, thanks. But you definitely want to do your due diligence because if I didn't walk that property, hey, you know, you might have a property that might not sell because you missed something. And not only that, you want to look at the neighborhood. One thing that's really important is like driving around the neighborhood, critical because, hey, how do you know one block over Los Angeles right now, we have a 
a lot of homeless issues going on. Unfortunately, sure. it's very unfortunate. And yeah. as this pandemic and economic times are getting more trouble, trouble, you know, this is going to be an ongoing you know, situation we're going to be having. And there's pockets of LA. You're like in Santa Monica in a great area. And then there's, you have this, you know, people here. And, yeah. Unfortunately. And when you're selling a house, you want to consider this because people are going to be, if you're renovating it and making it beautiful, people are going to pay top dollar and you're expecting them to pay top dollar. So the location and what's in that location is critical. And you never know. What if they're doing construction next door for housing? Like you never know. So you want to always, my always rule is to walk your property no matter what, even though it gets hard with the listing agent or the showings, especially in Corona times, persistence will always pay off. Okay. So that's something I can share. And yeah, we had a property where I walked it, but I didn't walk it good enough, right? I didn't drive the area. I didn't go down the streets, right? Yeah. And that was a total pain in the butt because what happened was that's one so block crucial over. too. I feel like like not not enough people are taking full advantage. Like they'll check out the house, but dude, that neighborhood, just like you mentioned, is so so crucial. Yeah, like what kind of cars are there? What kind of homes yep. are there, right? And you also want to see from a buyer's perspective if they're if they're paying X amount of dollars, is that worth it? Yeah, you know, is that worth it to for that buyer? It makes for the buyer as well. You can't just like fix it up and just throw a number out there and hope that it's going to sell. Like that's not how you do real estate. I hope. That, I mean, you might get lucky once or twice, but I don't know how far that's going to go. Yeah. And you know, we, I didn't drive this one property in West LA good enough and. One block over, there was like a homeless encampment. <laughs> encampment. I was like, oh, oh really? Yeah. And I closed on the property. I found out after I closed the property, as we're doing construction, I was like so stressed. I was like so worried. How am I going to sell this property? And I had sure. to invest more money to create more privacy for this house. I had to make like 10 foot tall fence, you know, that cost me another like 15 grand, you know, out of my profit, right? I had to put like yeah. security, data start, like security systems as well. So that just ate away more at my profit. If I hence did my due diligence, I would have got up even more price reduction from the seller. Hey, you realize this is what's happening. You know, I can make it work, but you got to be realistic with the numbers. So number one, guys, always walk your property no matter what. Like, I know it's easy to just say, I'll just make an offer. Once you do your third, it gets dangerous when you start doing your third or fourth project. All my first timers out there, I'm pretty sure you're going to walk in no matter what because it's your first time. But it gets a little tricky when you get a little bit like, oh, I made a little money like I did. And on the second, third property, you get a little bit like, you know, you get a little confident. And yeah. you, you're like, hey, I'll just make the offer. I already know my numbers. I know my comps. Always walk your properties. Always walk your properties. That's so good. And you mentioned before as well, like know your city's rules, regulations, especially with the homeless situation right now, it, like kind of in your area of LA, there's a lot of different laws and, and restrictions on what can be done and what can't be done. And then permits and so forth. It's like, there's a bigger scope. There's a bigger process to this. So if you're uneducated on it, then it could potentially hold you back or screw up your plans. Yeah, totally. And I had learned a lot about homeless law because of this property like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they have legal rights to be there right now in Los Angeles County. I think the hours of when the sun rises and the sun sets, they're allowed to just be in the, like in the streets. Like that's Hanging legal. Out. Like yeah. you could put a tent. I can go put a tent on like Wilshire Boulevard and like legally you can't tell me to take it down unless it's Bye. private property, unless it's private property. So the sidewalk, sidewalk is not private property. That's city property, right? And then from like after like 9 p.m. back to when sun comes back up, you're allowed to sleep in your cars now. Before that was illegal. 
but now you're allowed to sleep in your cars. The police can't do anything. It's crazy, like this law. It's understandable. People have rights. I totally get it. So you want to be aware of this. You want to be aware of this because you know, you, if you buy a property and this happens, you can't get upset at that because this is the rule. You know, yeah. this is the rule. And, and basically, you can just go down to your local, uh, your city council, basically, and, and see what all the rules, regulations, and the things that you need to know before you're jumping in and, and you're doing your due diligence on these projects. Like we, Absolutely. when we jumped into our last project, this fourplex here locally, you know, we planned on doing Airbnb. So we had a lot of controversy in the air of, you know, is it legal? Are we allowed? You know, are they going to shut it down? All these other things. So it was very important and crucial for our success with our business to make sure that we connected with the people downtown that were in charge of the Airbnb to make sure that we are in good stance. For the most part, you're just doing fix and flips and you are doing wholesaling now as well, correct? Sure. You know, we've been trying to get those deeper discounts. We've been doing it for like 12 months now. Okay. Six months was like a big learning process, right? Yeah. And, and it's not easy. I'll say, yeah, it, it sounds easy. Oh yeah, you know, you can, uh, yeah, that's how it sounds. But there was a lot of learning curve. It, it just, just the amount, the amount of knowledge we just get on a weekly basis is just huge what we learn. And, right. but now we are successful. We locked up and sold three successful deals. And we're currently doing three markets, Inland Empire in California, Las Vegas, and Memphis, Tennessee right now. And it's just an ongoing process. I have a team on that. We have like we have our IT guy who also helps with like generating leads, purchasing leads, and like skip tracing in. We have our dispo acquisition guy. We have two co callers out of out of the country, VAs virtual assistants, nonstop co calling for six hours straight. And we have our office administrative growth helping with back end, putting together like you know coming soon and stuff like that. And then also helping with our SMS leads. And we have two interns also calling cold leads. Like they were interested, but you know, they ghosted us. It always happens. So we have a pretty good team right now. We have a pretty good team. Can't do it alone. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. It's all about the team. Like as you start scaling, you're going to realize there's no way possible to do this as a, a one-man show. So you're talking about mindset originally, and then you know, you're talking about locking in these deals, knowing the area, and just the overall scope of work. Has there been any techniques that you've developed over time that – maybe you didn't originally start off with for the scope of work to really make sure that it is detailed enough that, that there's complete transparency with, you know, communication with your contractors, because, you know, from what you've said off air here, you've really had minimum issues with contractors and a lot of people are reaching out to you, you know, asking for that guidance and help with contractors. So it seems like a good topic that you could probably cover. Now it could just be, the, obviously, the education that you got from Fortune Builders, you know, starting off, that probably starts you off on the on a pretty darn good foot in the beginning, but I'm sure you might have tweaked it a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. And one thing, I think the biggest thing when starting off was just learning just simple things, what a two by four, what a stud is, just yeah. like the basic, basic, basic material language. And I just want like everyone that's listening to just think about it. It's like, you are going to pay someone hundreds or something around there, like 50, 20, 50, 100, 200. Some of our jobs are like $350,000, right? For yep. doing like an addition and stuff. I just want you guys to think about this. You're going to hire someone, a general contractor, and you're going to pay them X amount of dollars. You're going to lead them and you have zero construction knowledge. Yeah. They will eat you up. 
sir. <laughs> you're gonna have change orders. You're gonna have issues. Yep. This is great, great kid. The favorite word. This is great kid, Mr. Choi. This is great kid. <laughs> We, we don't deal with crickets anymore, but uh, yeah. but before, like things would be cricket. Like, what the heck? What is that? And that's just what Brandon's kind of talking about. And I want to share is that you don't have to be a master at it, but I definitely think like we think like, oh, we're gonna buy that property at a discount. I'm gonna hire a GC. They're gonna do it. I'm good. But the thing is, every GC is different. Yep. Specialize in different type of work. Their crews are different who they are as a person or a business person or a businessman. A lot of contractors or GCs are contractors are turned into GCs. But where do yep. contractors come? Most contractors are hammer and nails. They're yep. not Harvard Business League and they understand yep. the scopes of work and contracts and timeline and Gantt charts. No. They do it with their hands. They're used to Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of them require some of this guidance, yeah. organization and like direction and so that, yep. so that we're not doing things works and twice. I want you guys to think like they're the artists, but you got to tell them what to paint, right? Yeah. You got to give them the paintbrush. You got to give them the ink. I want to have a, this transition. I want to have this tonal color. I want to, I'm pulling out the clothing where it's some contrast, some depth right yeah. into it. And think about it this way. Like, Another way I can explain this is like you are the director of a movie and then they're your cast, right? They could be the role player or they could be the, you know, uh, follow-up player or, you know, the, the actor and you got to direct them. You got to direct them. So, but before we could direct them, something that I highly suggest for everyone to do is really know your market. Are you going to do a quick cosmetic? Like you're just going to do like paint, flooring, just clean it up a little bit, put it back on the market. Or you're just going to do like kitchen, bathroom, a little bit more work than that, a kitchen, bathroom, you know, flooring, maybe needs a new roof, maybe not. And, or are you going to like add square footage? Some parts of Los Angeles, Manhattan Beach is $1,500 a square foot. That's crazy. $1,500 for a 12 by 12 yeah. price per square foot. Oh and my gosh. Yeah. If you're paying anywhere from 200 to 350 a price per square foot to build new square foot footage and you're flipping that for 1500 some areas, a hundred. Definitely want to add square footage. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and that's something that is a potential exit strategy. I'm talking about all these exit strategy. And then some of the developers that I work with as well, we do ground ups, right? So I think for first timers, definitely you want to start small, do a more of a simple project and learn. Because I guarantee you, there's going to be 50% of things you're not thinking about right now. When you buy that property, it's going to happen. Yeah. I guarantee you. We've shrinked that down to like 10, 15% of unforeseeable things now. Sure. When I was starting off, it was like every day was news. Like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? And then what's going to happen is you're going to have to learn in that moment. Either you're going to learn or you're going to delegate. Yeah. I highly suggest to learn it. If you're going to make real estate a passion or like a future thing, like definitely learn it because buying the property is important at the right price. But if you use all your money, like you go over and change orders because of what we're talking about here, lack of experience and knowledge and delegation, you're going to break. Hopefully you make something or you're going to make less. Number one, you're going to break even or you're going to lose money. Yeah. Right. Or here's another crazy one. Another scenario is that you might have a product that looks good, but it doesn't sell. You don't want to be sure. on the market for like six months. Right. So it's very daunting, especially you got this like interest payment stuff. So execute. Buying the property is absolutely important. Acquisition is probably one of the most important things, but following through with that being in budget to follow through is equally important, equally important. So really know your numbers and know what you're going to do to the projects. And 
it could be easy to just have that conceptually in your mind, but real estate is a team business. So now for us, we document everything. So if I'm writing my scope of work, it's documented, it's in Dropbox or Google Drive. These are yep. pretty much almost free softwares you can use. And we have it accessible by other teammates, realtors, contractors. So I'm not having to re-explain it all the time. It's already there for them. And we'll get on a Zoom call, you know, in today's time. So we'll get in a meeting six feet apart and then I'll print it out have copies, we'll walk it together, right? Yeah. So number one is just knowing what you're gonna do to that property, right? Are you gonna do a quick flip? Are you gonna do like bathroom, kitchen? And really look at the comps. There's a point where it doesn't make sense to put Carrera marble in a price, a home price at 500,000 because your price per square foot of the marble is like $15 a square foot, it doesn't make sense. Like that's so something where your return on investment would not make sense because people in that area 500,000 in Los Angeles, that's like more on the lower spectrum. So for you to put like in the top of the nine finishes, you're not going to get more money for it. So you're going to have a skill set as you keep doing more like, okay, where can I push the envelope and not, but really knowing your numbers and knowing the market because you know you don't want to have too big of a superior property and no one's going to really pay the extra money for that. Right. Yeah. So that, that'd be the number one thing. It's so funny because you mentioned changing up the, the scope of work or as you're learning, like I've literally changed my scope of work as I was on the scene and, <laughs> and messing up like dozens of times in the beginning. And it's just so funny to think about. It's just those beginning learning curves. Hopefully you guys can learn this, you know, and take it from us before you actually get out there and do it yourself. But when it comes down to your contractors and the work itself, are you getting bids on materials and labor included, or are you just doing labor and then you get the material separately? So when I was starting off, I would buy all the material. Yep. And at that moment, five years ago, I was willing to do that because I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn all the different types of material. And then I, I would buy the wrong thing and I have to go return it. It happened all the time. Yeah, and that's good though. I, I like that. You know, hanging out at Home Depot and Lowe's and really checking out everything. Yeah. You're going to learn. Now, now, Brandon, I memorize where everything is in Home Depot. Yeah. So I don't need to ask. I just know <laughs> lighting is here, plumbing is here. Like the layout is all the same for every Home Depot store, if you notice. Yeah. <laughs> they have it all in the same sections, right? So, uh, you're helping out other new people coming around. <laughs> yeah. People are asking me like, Hey, where do I find this? Oh, it's right there. <laughs> yeah. Being nice to people. And for me, five years ago, I, w I was willing to do that. I wanted to okay. do that. I'm the type of guy, like, I want to know, I want to learn, right. Sure. I want to be a master at my craft. So I was willing to do that. But at a certain point, my contractor started expecting this. <laughs> so I'm like, and what happened was I started to get busier because I have more projects. And then they're like, hey, Andy, I need this, this, this. I'm like, I can't go get it. I'm like, can you go get it? And then we have this little like problem because <laughs> like, they're not used to that, right? Yeah. So we have to pivot there really quick. I'm like, hey, guys, look, we're doing more projects now. And I need you guys to like start, you know, getting materials, you know. And they said, hey, it takes time. You know, it's going to take away from my bid. I said, okay, that's totally reasonable. You got to wait in line. You got to load the truck. You got to bring it. You know, you're spending a couple hours, right? And so we had to pivot in that moment. But now in today's time, if we can, we will always get a bid for material and label and warranty. All in one. Okay. okay. 
because I no more we want to have this situation where, oh, we brought the wrong material. And if I bring the material, technically I'm responsible for the material. So if it breaks, then I got to go fix it. I got to go replace it. Versus if I tell my contractor to go get it, then, hey, man, this product you buy is not working, so I need you to go fix it. And that does happen and nothing is perfect. Like I, we buy things and you know, things happen. Right. So I just don't want to deal with that on the back end anymore because we're just constantly about moving forward. So I am I keep putting that responsibly to my subcontractors or my contractors and, yeah. but we're paying for it. I, I tell them, Hey, this is what we need from there. And just because now we're just more focused on acquiring more deals. I'm running the wholesale business. Right. I'm more sure. like, Hey, you got enough things my- going on, right? Yeah. You don't need another exactly. headache. So yeah, me so personally, me personally, I've always noticed in the beginning, several years ago when we just got started, I was getting higher bids, you know, something, it just didn't, the numbers were totally off in comparison. And then I would ask for the difference, you know, labor wise, okay, how much time is this going to cost to do this activity or whatever, this task? And then I just didn't like it. So I got in the routine of getting them to go to the store, pick it up and either do a phone order or or giving them a, you know, a credit card with their name on it to be able to make the purchases so I can keep track. And then they're responsible for it. But then later on, it did help me to be able to see exactly the difference and the materials needed on each project. You know, it it comes out to be pretty much the same thing. If you do the, you know, the the same type of standards typically. Now, when you mentioned, you know, knowing the area and then the type of quality of materials are going to be slightly different on when it comes down to a luxury fix and flip versus maybe a rental. Are you keeping any of your properties? Currently we have a, we have two Airbnbs and we have okay. a commercial property that we're renting out. Okay. So for those, have you done the higher upgrades in those or still just kind of keeping it rental grade? Yeah. So the Airbnb, we, this was an interesting one because we went on market. We were thinking to, we're going to flip it. And then just the offer wasn't coming in where we wanted to, like we were going to like literally break even. So we're like, okay, we talked to the partners, like our investment partners, like, Hey, we have two choices, either cash out and no one's going to make anything or we could refinance this. And then we can actually make like 1500, $2,000 a month. And then, you know, it's a five, 10 year loan. So five, 10 years later, we'll put it back on market. So we all agreed. Everyone said, okay, that's in our interest. It's fine. You know, that's, that's totally reasonable. They're they okay with that idea. So we refinanced the loan and then we turned into an Airbnb and, and then COVID happened. So the Airbnb stopped. We're doing really well with the Airbnb. It was in, it was in Venice Beach, California. So oh, per wow. night, it was like $500 a night. Yeah, five yeah. $700 a night for a three-bedroom, two-bath. So it was right next to Abikini, which is like a historic, like people, a tourist area. And because of COVID happened early this year, like the Airbnb started to trickle down and we got this like payment, mortgage payment we got to make. So we pivoted that to a short-term lease. So now we have a tenant there paying us $7,000 a month and that's just coming in monthly now. So now we have that piece of that, And Does that cover the mortgage? It covers our mortgage. It covers our whole pity, payment, interest, taxes, and insurance. And I think we have like $500 on top of that for like CapEx, like for any improvements and like landscaping and stuff like this. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. With our Airbnb, I was actually shocked with the numbers. We're getting like 350 to 400 per night. And thankfully, because it's a fourplex, it, you know, that adds up. So it helps out, but it is kind of, it's funny to see what's going on with the economy right now and 
how everybody's reacting and, totally. and what the future looks like. I'm actually totally. curious. I know you got more knowledge to drop, but I would like to take kind of just a moment to see what your thoughts are on the economy and just yeah. your opinion. You know, I know everybody's got opinions out there, but I, I do look up to your thoughts of what's going on right now. What do you actually think the future is going to look like? Yeah, I think we're in a very interesting time, pandemic and everything. I mean, there's a lot of conspiracy and stuff like this. I don't watch news. You know, I only watch the news to see people looting because I kind of found it like, oh, wow, like people are doing this. Like, you know, I was just like, it's yeah. entertainment. I'm literally watching news for entertainment. Yeah. But other than that, like, I don't watch news. I don't watch TV. I don't watch news because, you know, it's control. I don't, I don't, I don't, it's control. So I just, I follow a few people that I value their opinion and stuff like this. And I think, in my opinion, that, we're going to be in uh, an economic you know, depression, right? maybe in 12 months or less, um, mainly because just the unemployment rate, uh, there's a lot of moving parts, but I'm going to try to like condense this as simple sure. and short yeah. as possible. I'm going to give you like the general, know, like, quick, quick sauce on this because I could probably talk about this like for an hour yeah, <laughs> or even more. So we have high unemployment. And then if we have high unemployment, how are people going to buy things, right? And then, okay, we have this temporary solution of this stimulus check. We're putting trillions of dollars into back into the economy. And I do think the Federal Reserve and our government is doing it because they have no choice. Because if they don't do it, there's gonna be more problems. Like, I think it would be like 10 times worse if they didn't do it. I don't think they want to do it because as a business owner, there's things that I don't want to do, but then I have to do it because it has to move forward. It, yep. it, the business needs to go. Sure. I don't want to fire this person about it hey, this person's not producing results. I have to let it go. I like the person. I personally like them and I care about them. But we're not getting what we need. You know, for example, our government is a business and I think they're doing what they need to by putting this money in there. But they all know and we all know by putting all this money, we don't know what kind of repercussion this is going to have in a short-term period, right? There's all this hypothesis of inflation and things like this and whatever, our national debt's getting higher and stuff like this. Um, And... So for now, people have stimulus money, but that's gonna dry up soon. And simultaneously, everything I'm gonna say is simultaneous, how are landowners with plazas and commercial loans able to pay rent if money's not coming in? I've heard a lot of stories about small business owners shutting down nail salons, et cetera. It's constantly on NPR, a new person, new person, new person. And I know people, I know people, they have nail salons. I know people, they have, I couldn't get a haircut. I couldn't get a haircut. My, my hairstylist, she's, she's like, I think she's okay because she has some money saved, but then like she hasn't worked in the last like three months. So um, that's going to have an impact. And think about this too. In 2008, we had that uh, subprime mortgage problem, right? And then everything went belly up. And if you think about it in 2008, all that foreclosures happened. Okay. So say in 2009, 2010, people started to buy properties, especially commercial properties and commercial properties are 10 year loans, right? They're amortized 30, but you gotta, they, they're due in 10 years, so you, could, you have to refinance within the 10 years. So if, you, if it's 2010, you bought this property, 10 years later is now. Yeah. And then how are they gonna refi when they have like no income showing unless they put a more heavier down payment? And the owner needs to like pay that mortgage to the bank because they have no tenant in there, right? So I think commercial loans are gonna be a big problem very soon, like it's probably already happening now. And these are mainly for people that are over leveraged and they're relying on their tenant to pay their mortgage, right? Like they have no other income for that building other than the tenant, unless you have a lot of money and then you can cover it, you're good. But then I don't see people coming back into work right away fast. And I think 
this is going to create a habit, like people working from home and this whole Corona thing, stay at home thing. I think now that it's like almost three, four months, psychologically, if, if any of you people like believe in that, like it takes 21 days to form a habit. We've formed so many habits that we're not even aware of right now. Like it's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. That's it's, why I said earlier in the beginning of this you know, conversation, like you got to be always forefront of your mind and guard it at all times. You got to be laser sharp. Since COVID, I've adopted better habits. We haven't stopped one single day of work, my team and my whole company, nonstop, go, go. Thank God construction is a necessity business, essential business. So thank God yeah. I'm blessed. Thank God, seriously, that's really a blessing and I'm grateful for that. But in terms of the economy, I think everyone should prepare for the worst. And whatever yeah. you think the worst is, I would multiply it by 10. Because yeah. if it didn't happen, you'd be on the better side. Hey, or if it good. happened 50%, it'd be better. I'm the yeah. type of guy like, okay, let's aim for 100. Yeah. If we get to 100, yes, great. If we got 50, okay, cool. That's still better than 20, right? Sure. So it's kind of mindset. And then you never could be ever like too conservative. And I think today's the time like you really want to like double check and triple check everything. Personally, and how does this tie into like residential flipping? I'm personally not into projects that's going to be like 12 months, six months. I specifically for properties that I can turn around the construction in 30 days in and out. So maybe I'll open a small wall. I'll get like an over-the-counter permit on the internet, like over-the-counter, just internet. I get a kitchen bathroom permit done and the inspector comes. It's all kosher. Window permits, roof permits, kitchen bathroom in most cities should be over-the-counter unless you are opening up walls, then it's a different story. But if you're not really opening up too many walls or like relocating the walls because that's structural, do not just break a wall, guys, because some of these walls are supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talk to an architect, talk to a, a contractor or hit me up, send me a photo or something. But um, sure. I'm just doing quick, fast turnaround, quick flips right now. And yeah, I would just have everyone just prepare for the worst. And then there's one thing I would just want to say is like the volatility of money. So like if I gave Brandon a dollar, then Brandon would use that dollar to go buy some new nicer Jordans and that person's going to go because I know Brandon. Like, I would, me. I would, yeah. <laughs> of course he would. You know I would. Know that. Yeah. If you guys are watching, you know he likes shoes. <laughs> we know. He had red shoes when I met him. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. So if I give Brandon a dollar, he's going to go use his dollar to buy some Nike Jordans and then that company is going to pay another employee, etc. So it passes on, right? So that's like we call the volatility of money. Go ahead, Google it volatility money yeah. graph you're gonna see right now the volatility money is low why because everyone's home COVID's happening you know sure. don't go out blah, blah 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 right but then that's a big economic problem because money is not circulating right think about it if i had 10 oranges and now i only have like three oranges that's i have seven less oranges right yeah it's gonna, <laughs> what it's happened gonna, it's gonna <laughs> produce less like if this tree was producing 20 oranges every month but now it's only producing three that's a big problem and this is for the whole nation yeah. So I think volatility of money is, yeah, whole world, yeah, that's yeah. correct. And just consider that right now is summer, so maybe cases are still on the rise now, even though the weather is hot. So if anyone's a science or a nurse out there or a doctor, like usually viruses don't derive or survive in heat, right? So like in today's weather, like 80 degrees, 90 degrees here in California, if I'm talking to someone, most likely that virus will like 80, 95% die soon as I say something because it's so, it's so hot, right? But cases are on the rise now. And think about it. If cases are rising now, what's going to happen in the winter when it gets colder and virus thrive in the winter, right? Flu season. You guys all hear about flu season. So based on everything I'm telling you about commercial loans, volatility of money, and just looking at the facts, if these true cases are happening, I mean, I'm not really checking each person, but the, yeah. the cases. And the I'm conspiracy seeing, behind yeah. it, who knows, you know, there's a lot of right. craziness. 
to and always look at you know both sides of the coin here. Exactly, and and when fall happens, then what? Yeah. Right? Could be then more. Yeah. It could it could be more. So I would just what we're doing now is just being proactive, just staying really sharp, and just not being too risky out there. I'm not doing like two big projects, and just really double checking my numbers. And whenever I look at the ARV, I always put another ten to fifteen percent discount, thinking that I'm gonna take a hit. So if you're out there uh, so making offers and stuff, just go 10, 15% less. And you know what? You might not get the deal. And I promise you, it's better that you don't get the deal and you don't want to be stuck with the property that you didn't yeah. think about versus like saying no to a deal. That's probably the yeah. best deal. That Saying no to a deal, passing on a deal that it didn't make sense is the best thing you can do right now. Best thing you it's, can do. It's funny that you mentioned that because I believe I probably got too cocky in the last couple of years because in the beginning, I always used to do that. And it's always done me extremely well. Like even when I would screw up or, or not assume that this needed to be replaced and it ended up needing to be, I still had that extra buffer, which always saved me in many different cases. So, totally. um, so I'm glad that you actually give, you know, bring this back up. It, it's a good reminder for me, especially in these times, you know, we don't know what tomorrow looks like, let alone the next six to 12 months. And the signs that are arising, it's like, well, you know, we, we should start being very conservative and maybe I should start putting that buffer back in there. So that's a great point. So Andy, I know you got like a ridiculous amount of knowledge. I don't know if you want to like rapid fire last couple things or yeah. if, if you think anything would be super good to leave the listeners with. Otherwise, we're going to have to have you back on again sometime in the future because you're, you're a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I think my final words is just when you're rehabbing a project, guys, like just consider like Brandon said something really important. I just want to like elaborate a little bit. You're going to be making decisions on the site and it's normal. Like I just before, because I'm like OCD and perfectionist, yeah. I had to scope of work and then later I have to go change it. It really personally bothered me. And this is one of those characteristics I had to develop. I had sure. to be okay with this a little change here. Yeah. You're a business owner. And then I had some use to it. And, but this took me to another level, like, oh, okay, we have to do it. The biggest thing is not to react, okay? You're going to want to react. You're going to get pissed. You're going to be upset. You're going to get some anxiety. You're going to be like, oh, crap, it's going to increase my cost now <laughs> and all this. But number one thing is keep it cool. Just, and just what is the problem? What is the problem? Yeah. Okay, this window won't fit. Okay, that's the problem. Okay, hey, this beam is here. That's the problem. Or, hey, this pipe is here. Or, hey, we got to redo that. Okay, what is the problem? Simple. And then second, what are the solutions? <laughs> Simple, right? What are solutions? And write them down. Simple as and, that. And I make it interactive with my contractor. So if it's the plumber and the framer, I get them together in the same place. Hey guys, let's talk about it and figure it out. If I have to FaceTime them, whatever, we just get it done. And yeah. the key here is speed, okay? Because if you have a hard money payment or if, or uh, I mean, unless you're out there just buying your own cash and you have no interest, good for you, okay? Give yeah, me a call. good for you, yeah. <laughs> give me a call, give us a call. Yeah, give, give me, me a call. random call. We'll, let's <laughs> do some you. deals. But yeah. most people, you're gonna be leveraging the bank's money, hard money money or yes. PML money. So every day counts because you're getting, you're paying interest on a daily basis. So yep. the key here in a great rehab is not gonna be perfect. You want 80% to go to schedule, but yep. you want to allow 20% of what if and unforeseenable things. And like Brandon said, you want to make be able to identify the problem, the solution, and the cost. Okay. Yeah. Just because every solution has a cost and two types of costs, time and money, right? Because time is important because we're paying interest on a daily basis, but also how much does it cost to fix it, right? So I always like to tell my crew, is that the best option? 
and they go back to the drawing board and then they come back to me. It might take an hour, it might take a day. Is that the best option? And then they come up with another option and I'm like, okay. And I already know what option I want to do is just I'm practicing with my guys for them to make better choices and decisions. Yeah. I can't, and think for I can't, themselves exactly. properly. Like what so, would you say? I, I already that. know what I want to do, but I just like, okay, hey, is that the best options, guys? Because I have one. And I like to, I always challenge my guys, hey, guys, just come up with two to three options. Yep. And just bring one, bring two to three. Three will be great. Like, I'll, let's go to like Benihana's on three. Yeah. Three threes, I'll be very happy with you because you're going to be saving me a lot of time and money. So it's worth me taking you to $100 Benihana, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I get to eat too, right? I like that. <laughs> But uh, this is key. Problems will always happen. Not And uh, hey, if you want to take this to another level, you can actually apply this in almost all aspects of your life, guys. Any problem you have, what is the problem? Write it down or think about it. I would highly suggest to like, write it down. And what are the potential solutions? And yep. what would it cost for me to get that done? Time and money, right? It's, in business, it's usually time and money. And just if you have that in your mindset when you're doing construction, not to get stuck on the problem, but identifying and having things flow through, that would help you so much. And then I just want to be clear on something. In the past, I would be like, oh man, 500 bucks, right? And I would like, and what I would do, someone would give me a change order for 500, okay? Like, here's the problem, here's the solution, it's 500, right? And then what I would used to do like four years ago would be like, I would try to find another option to get that $500 cheaper, but it took so much of my time and energy and away yeah. from my business. Cause now I'm yep. being like a total technician. I gotta like yep. rotate the wheel. Yep. And so now we're like, Hey, if it's less than 500 and it's reasonable, just do it. Let's go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not worth me spending another couple hours calling someone else, getting another bid or Googling to, for another product to save five, $10 or yep. $20. Some, and sometimes it's more expensive. And I did all this exercise. And it might be necessary for some people out there just to know your prices in your head. Yeah, to, to know your numbers in the beginning. But I think yeah. you, you've obviously developed the necessity or just the knowledge of like what your time is worth, right? Like, Absolutely. Because now the headache, the stress, the trying to find, you know, some other options to be able to save a couple bucks, it's just not worth it. Yep. So, so good. I would say just pencil in that what if and then just move through it as quick as possible. And that is key. Not to get stuck on your rehab because there's something called, last thing I want to just tell you guys, there's something called like momentum. I'm sure everyone had that moment where you've been in the zone and you've been on fire and then just things are making sense and you're just able to make decisions a lot quicker and clearer. And then there's this other day you're just like, oh no, what's happening? And you want to like control everything and like what's, it doesn't work and like you don't even feel like you had a productive day. So momentum's key, guys. So like just constantly moving forward in your projects or your goals, your dreams, you know, your inspirations, whatever your projects, just constantly having momentum is key, 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 key. That's so good. Just to add like a little, a little side note, when it comes to any type of decisions, like you're trying to figure out the pros and cons of, you know, all your different options, I've easily just write it down, the pros and cons of, you know, all my different options on whatever the problem is. And that's always helped me on the really tough type of things. And I can't, like, I'm being super indecisive on, instead of asking for other people's opinions, which is good, you know, you should always ask for several opinions. But if you ever find yourself in one of those, you know, tight situations that you just can't come up with a decision, I like to easily write it down because when you can visually see it and then just start canceling things off it you know makes life a little bit easier but andy i appreciate you so much man i really do how can people get a hold of you and i mean dude you just gave over an hour of your time anything that 
me or the listeners can do to give back to you? Yeah, uh, definitely follow me on Instagram. My goal is to get to a thousand followers. I'm like at 750 right now, so it's not okay. too far off. So on Instagram, it's uh, Andy Choi Official. And if you go and Google and type in Andy Choi Official, I rank top as well. So just simple A-N-D-Y-C-H-O-I Official, you'll find me. Follow me, send me a DM. And if you guys have any like rehab questions, construction questions, real estate questions, you know, shoot me a video, shoot me a text, whatever. And then, you know, I can get back to you. I do that a lot with other realtors, other friends. Like, you know, I, I might not be busy, but they just ask me quick questions. I give them quick answers and they, they know what to do. So, you know, happy to connect in that way. Yeah. Well, I appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. I know you guys found a ton of value on this episode. Make sure you hit that subscribe button for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. Leave a review. Let me know what you guys think about it. And you can always reach out to me at brandonelliotinvestments.com. You can find me on social media for Brandon Elliott Investments on IG, on Instagram, and then for facebook.com slash Investor. Anything credit related, if you guys are looking to get educated, you can do that. Go to creditcounselelite.com. And then if you're looking to get your credit fixed with our do it for you service, you can do go to creditrepairmobile.com and we'd love to help you out or get on a one-on-one call with you and see what exactly your situation is. But Andy, bro, you are the man. I appreciate you so, so much. Tremendous value, brother. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next next video next week. All right, guys. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliottinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.